this. That's what she said. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our Woody Allen retrospective right here on planettyro.com. I'm your host, Donald Wonder, and as always, I'm joined by, with my partner in crime, Simon Red. Yeah, not by free will, but I'm here anyway. Ah, you're loving it. We're getting through some of the best Woody Allen movies of all time in this part of the retrospective. <laughs> the second glory days. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which, if you missed our last discussion, we spoke about the super... De- the super divisive movie, Stardust Memories. If you missed that conversation, click on the YouTube card to go back to that discussion. <laughs> that was a fun one, even though it was shorter than the other recordings. Guys, if you're listening on our podcast, well, if you listen to our podcast, we've got a list of all our previous Woody Allen recordings because we're covering every single Woody Allen movie. I think we're at number 12 right now. If you're on YouTube, we've got a playlist and you could go back, go forward. We're just covering it all whenever you're joining in on a conversation. Thanks for listening, guys. We're on Stitcher Radio. Any app you've got on your iPhone or Android device, you can find all the links down in the description. And as always, these movie reviews are spoiler-filled. Unless you've watched the movie, we're going to talk about all the spoilers. So go back, watch the movie, then come and listen to us talk about it. So with all that out of the way, Simon, and putting the, the painful memories, the Stardust memories behind us, what's the next movie we're moving forward to? Well, two years later, in 1982... Woody Allen produced his follow-up in color this time with the title A Midsummer Night Sex Comedy. And this movie is sort of a, a question mark. Basically, it's a giant departure from everything that came before. And it seems very conscious. The title's already misleading. In fact, the whole movie's misleading. If you think this is a, some uh, modern, open-minded conversation about sex... It's the exact opposite. The movie's set in, I believe, the 1930s. Woody Allen plays Andrew, who's a, a comedic inventor. He lives out in the countryside with his wife and spends most of his free time coming up with these uh, crazy inventions, trying to, to develop wings and stuff. But the movie doesn't continue on that tone. The main plot element here is that Woody's wife is having a family get-together uh, for, I believe it, it's her uncle who's getting married, Professor Leopold, to this girl named Ariel. And Woody's best friend, played by Tony Roberts, his real-life good buddy appropriately, Maxwell, is coming along as well, bringing a date. Uh, I think one of the nurses from the hospital he works in, because he's sort of a ladies' man, even for the 30s. He's a very open-spirited guy. I guess this is where the sexual element comes in. But... The point is that Ariel, the fiancé, is a lost flame for Woody's character, Andrew. They had a, a fling years in the past. And Andrew recall, uh, recollects this as a, as a lost opportunity because they never got together. They never slept with each other. And then he went on to marry his wife. And that's basically it. I mean, it's not really sexual, but again, if you think you figured a movie out that it's always oh, a love triangle and it, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot of funny dialogue and his family get together. That's before all the supernatural stuff comes in. Because there's also an element of Woody Allen's character inventing something that may or may not be a telescope into the future or the past or another dimension. As well as the forest around them being haunted by spirits. Yeah. Sci-fi, supernatural, nice little mix there. You know what, I don't know why you... Fi- well, actually, now you've said all that, I do understand why you find it so different. But I'll just say this. 
I found this movie to be a nice break from a lot of those serious movies we just had. And I actually find it very interesting that you had to put comedy in the title to let the people know, this is a comedy, guys. You know, I want you guys to know in the title, it's a comedy. I think he did that on purpose. And I, Even though it sounds kind of raunchy, you know, it kind of throws you off. Because sure. you think, oh, this is, is going to be like a, a, a movie about sex and a movie about lovemaking. And sure. it, those elements are there, but... Not as much a as big, was, yeah. Yeah, a big part of the movie is that it's set in the 1930s, so everybody is very hesitant to talk about these things. I mean, uh, we really get into these characters and their mindset that is appropriate for the times, how different people viewed relationships and getting together and opportunity and just marriage in general. Yeah, honestly, again, you can look at this, as I always do, as a separate movie that you watch for the first time, Woody Allen, you don't know him, or as a retrospective and first of all in the retrospective of us watching all of his movies i found this to be a very light-hearted break one of his most straightforward movies looking at it now i've seen so many midsummer night movies where especially if you if you're european if you're british most of the rom-coms a lot of them are set in the countryside so many of them i've seen are set in the countryside because in especially in london that's like the getaway the official getaway to get out of the city go out to the countryside and have an adventure so if you're british you've seen the flow of these movies so i thought it was interesting for woody allen to take a stab at that especially back in this time where i'm not sure how many americans did these kind of movies and it's a period piece as well it's not really that complicated the theme of the movie for me again is more one conversation that comes up quite a few times in the movie is kind of confusing sex for love and with woody allen and his missed opportunity i don't want to get into too much spoilers even though just spoiler it. he's kind of talking to her like if we had sex would would we have fallen in love and him and his wife are the same thing we're not having sex are we still in love and you know the professor getting married is it it's, you know it's like you said i do agree with you that it's a little bit misleading when you'd actually think this is super raunchy you know midsummer that sits comedy you know it's going to be hijinks and a, a lot of sex and everyone's sleeping together and again yeah, it's basically a countryside orgy that's what you think it's going to be yeah and it's it, it near the end it tries to become all that but not really and i really felt like woody allen was blowing off a lot of steam and to be honest with you i felt like this movie was kind of damage control after the last movie especially in putting comedy in the title especially it being very light-hearted and he was having a little bit of fun being this weird inventor Reminded me a bit of Sleeper. Actually, I think some of the costume designers actually were from... And the, um, the guys are putting together the pieces, especially that gizmo where he's like... That bicycle helicopter thing. I think that was the guy who from Sleepers that helped him create stuff like that as well. I thought it was a fun movie with not a lot of depth. It felt like he was blowing off some steam. And it's not very memorable. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm praising it on one end, but it doesn't do anything but kind of break the bank and... The fan reception, which I'll get to later, again, people say it's not memorable on the, on the whole. The cast, the actors, actually, oh, oh, this is a great part. Now, Mia Farrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, Ariel. Yeah, Ariel, Mia Farrow. Mia Farrow. Would you Originally add- intended to be Diane Keaton. Speaking about missed opportunities, you know, yeah. this was supposed to be Diane Keaton. She couldn't do it because of scheduling. And Mia Farrow enters. And I wonder if Woody Allen's life would have been different if... <laughs> If Diane Keaton would have been able to take the part. Mia Farrow is Woody Allen's second biggest muse. His third one, as we know, is Scarlett Johansson. But, and they, they have a run of movies. Funny thing about Mia Farrow in this movie, which I thought was a fun fact to find out, 
This is the only movie Woody Allen has had a Razzie nomination for, and it was Mia Farrow's part. She got nominated for Worst Actress, or Worst Supporting Actress for a Razzie. And you know what's funny? In the movie, I knew that before watching it. When I was watching the movie, she did seem a bit stilted. And reading some of the reviews and some of the behind the scenes, she said she had trouble with the character. And now there's a lot of bad taste between them two, whatever, whatever. I didn't think she was as horrible as a Razzie Award, but I will say, in the whole cast, she's the worst. Because the other young girl, the very um, promiscuous one, she's very lively. Tony Roberts and the old man, they're going up against each other. They're great. <laughs> Woody Allen's great as the inventor. Woody Allen's wife is, you know, going through her own issues with the not having sex, which is great. Everyone is excellent, except for Mia Farrow, who is horrible. But against the other ones, she's noticeably, you know... I actually think the Razzie Award is more got to do with the reception that people had for Woody at this point because, you know, the last movie, Woody talking bad about the fans apparently and people were just like, ah, fuck Woody Allen. We're going to give him the Razzie. <laughs> Who's this chick? Who's Mia Farrow? This ain't Diane Keaton. Fuck her. Worst actress. <laughs> you know, it was... It was I'm, I'm saying it was a conspiracy in a, in a sense, but she wasn't that bad. She really wasn't. And actually, I could see Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. I'll speak about it more as we get to the upcoming movies. They seem very similar, especially their chemistry in this movie, the way they talk about each other, they're finishing each other's sentences. You can tell there's a definite chemistry. It's just that her delivery of her character in this movie is very stilted. But Tony Roberts, for me, is a standout of this movie. He is lovesick. He is absolutely great. I thought he was hilarious. Him and Woody Allen have that back and forth, which is the best part of the movie. That Oh, yeah. Their chemistry replaces the... Diane Keaton, Woody Allen chemistry, we got used to in previous films. And Tony Roberts was always very good, but yeah. usually he was very much a supporting character and didn't have that much screen time compared to everybody else, as in compared to Woody Allen and Diane Keaton. But here, the, the best exchanges are between him and Woody, and he's in it for almost the entire movie, and he's, he's great. Like, he is the funniest thing about this. He is. And the old man, let's talk about the old professor. I mean, uh, the movie opens with this professor talking about his philosophy and not believing in the supernatural. And I mean, he is so stuck up. He was a perfect fit for the role. Very good actor. I, I really, I enjoyed the lightfulness and that comedy element. You know, actually, I don't think this movie is conventionally funny. I just found the interactions funny, humorous, but not ha 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 You know, the kind of comedy yeah. I was expecting. It's not laugh out loud funny, yeah. No, no, it, it, honestly, I found this to be kind of an easy watch. The other, the other things I'll just say, because honestly, I don't have a lot to say about this movie because it's pretty straightforward. The direction was okay for being shot in the countryside or whatever. I didn't, I didn't think it was uh, amazing, but it was fine. The, the, the soundtrack didn't stand out to me at all. I just don't remember the soundtrack at all. Woody Allen, not as, uh, I think he's notorious for saying he hates the countryside. And, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he did want to challenge himself, which I respect to do something else. And ironically, another piece of fun trivia, this is one of the only times, I think only three times, Woody Allen does this, or maybe the only, the one time, I'm not quite sure. Listeners, correct me, because I know you'd have to do that. This is one of the only times he shot this movie and his next movie at the same time. And he said it was a horrible experience. He shot this in Zayden. <laughs> it was hectic, you know. The budgeting was going crazy. And to be honest with you, it's a very simple movie. And you could kind of tell something else was going on. And because his next movie is so high concept, he was just glad to get this over with. And again, I will just reiterate. I feel like he was blowing off steam with this movie. He was just having fun. It was not complicated. 
The sex versus love was the biggest theme in here. It was just fun. It might not be memorable, but I, I think it's okay. I just think it's a good movie. And um, yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed it on a very superficial level, really. It's not horrible at all. You got to give it to Woody Allen. Um, he does try. Uh, like, I felt this entire film was a very deliberate effort to live up to expectations. If you just go by the theme of the last movie, of people wanting him to do another comedy, people wanting him to do something different, people, uh, you know, want, want the old Woody back. This entire film is kind of like a response letter to that. It's in color. It's set in a different time period. We're out of New York. We're in the countryside. He's not even the, the, the philosophical person, you know, the deep thinker who thinks about, about uh, life and death and that there's no supernatural. He's the exact opposite. He, he is promoting, you know, believing that there's something more to life as we know it. There's something we, we haven't realized that Leopold, the old professor's character is Mr. Rational, who's like, nah, nah, screw that. There's no superficial things in it. I also thought that because we're in 82, we're post the blockbuster era, you know, Jaws, Star Wars. This film felt like it wants to position itself in the appropriate slot for that, as in an entertaining movie. There's a, a big emphasis on certain special effects. It's not super big budget, but there's a lot of stuff with the with the, the machine he builds that kind of projects things, and you're not, not sure if it's from the future where it comes from. You already mentioned the flying uh, bicycle that's straight out of the Flintstones. That's a that's a big effect. They use that a lot. They he flies all over the place. It almost like reminded me of ET <laughs> yeah. when, when him and Mia Farrow start flying on this bicycle across the woods. I'm like, is this a Woody Allen movie? So he definitely tried to reinvent himself for the 1980s and make a movie that was deliberately very different in terms of the the base approach from his last film which i thought was closer to home as you said he was in a black and white phase and he really found his voice by uh, you know examining the human condition and he, he took a break from that just to see if he can challenge himself to do something different but at the end of the day we are still back to mild love triangle and this idea of okay if if life has an end date what's the point tony roberts's character goes on about it. he doesn't want to get married because you gotta try everything you can't miss an opportunity woody allen's character is like you know why are we still together you know what what happened to our love would my life be different if i would have gone together with ariel that many years ago it, it it's a bit of a retrack and overall like you said because the movie's not laugh out loud funny it's sort of a if it was music it would be easy listening i think and that's what this movie is is just easy watch it's an easy watch you chill out you enjoy some of the nice cinematography there's a, some beautiful shots of the forest and the animals which is very refreshing and very new and definitely welcome addition to woody allen's filmography and in this film, you see a lot of stuff that you will see in his later films. Like, it's sort of a a blueprint for a lot of stuff he's going to do later down the line. So establishing mood, bringing characters together in a certain way at a certain central location, as well as the theme narrative, some of the cinematography. It reminded me of a lot of stuff that comes down the line, even way down the line, like Midnight in Paris, for instance. And incorporating the supernatural element. So, yeah, for that, if you're 
doing a retrospective of Woody and like we are, this movie is great because it's a breath of fresh air and it switches things up. On its own, I think, I don't know if I would have watched this in the cinema in 82. Yeah. I, what, what would I have thought of? would have thought like some interesting elements were there, but overall the movie begins and ends. If you're a fan of any of these actors like Tony Roberts, you know, you get something out of the movie because him and Woody Allen really steal the show. Yeah. Outside of that, it could have been better. But I'm, like you said, he was doing two movies at the same time. And I'm not sure how close this gets to his original vision, if he intended this to be so mild or if he wanted a bigger impact at the end because it is one of the more romantic endings for Woody Allen where he's more hopeful and kind of throws you a bone with the supernatural. Usually his views on death and end are more more skeptical. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, I'll tell around to, <laughs> to the um, fan feedback because here's the thing. You mentioned that he, Woody Allen did take a break between Stardust Moon and this movie because he did write another play, which was very successful. But here's the thing. When the fans waited a year or two years and they came back to this movie, even though they asked for comedy and it got this, they weren't happy. And as it stands now, the movie is one of his lowest rated movies in his retrospective. It's in the 6 out of 10s. This is the lowest rank at this point in his retrospective so far. Still not his worst movie that people dislike. We'll get to that much later. But people were not really happy. People find it forgettable. And again, they waited a long time for another Woody Allen movie after Stardust Memories. They got this and they were kind of disappointed. And to add to that, what you said about the title, that it's a little bit misleading. You have high expectations for Woody Allen from the comedy you've seen before, from his writing skills. And then you get something that isn't making you jump out of your chair with laughter or super raunchy. You get something that's just very middling. So again, as you said, in the retrospective of watching these movies every week or every day, it's fine. It's a nice breath of fresh air. If you're waiting a year or two years and you get this after Manhattan or Solace Memories, you're kind of like, huh? You know, is this it? So, you know. But, you yeah, know. you can edit a very misleading trailer out of this as well. If you put all the gadgets and the fantasy elements in there and him flying all over the woods, you think this is like almost like an adventure film, you know? Like they go out into the woods and everything goes crazy and you don't know what's going on. But uh, those are small bits and pieces sprinkled in between long scenes of dialogue. At the end of the day, now, if you're watching this for the first time now, you're gonna, you can watch this with a bunch of other Woody Allen films and it won't hurt as much. And I still think it's an okay movie. Whether the fan reception is good or whatever, I don't know, man. Every, to each his own. I thought it was good. And I know some people are going to joke, ah, you, you, know, uh, you, you like this and you didn't like Stardust? Because I was surprised how much people said, how much people actually like Stardust movies. But then again, I think time changes your retrospective on everything but here's the last piece of trivia i find and i'm not surprised by this at all originally this movie was actually meant to be another interiors type drama <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna bring up interiors i was like i wish somebody would edit this together to give you a trailer like interiors yeah because igma berman if I'm saying this right now, Ingmar Bergman, I'm not... Guys, apologize, I'm not... Ingmar Bergman. Let's get this right for once, because usually we, we record this like after midnight, so we're both tired, and we're like, uh, who uh, who cares? But nah, he's a legend, man. Ingmar yeah. Bergman. He actually made a movie with similar... This actually was another movie inspired by that director, Woody Allen wanted to follow, 
But Woody Allen, yeah. just, when he was in the writing phase, he was like, you know what? I actually did feel this was a bit too serious and I wanted to learn comedy. So I'm glad that he turned this into a comedy because I, I actually can see, and as I said in, in the middle when we started, I've seen so many English rom-com dramas about being in that, getting together, the family gets together in the countryside and there's some mad drama. There's some, and I'm telling you, there's like 50 British dramas. A lot of them are period pieces. I'm not going to lie, there's so many British period pieces, rom, rom-coms or rom-dramas that are like this. The last one I saw, which isn't a period piece, it has Mark Duplass and Emily Blunt. I think it's called Your Sister's Sister. It's another one of those, get, you know, they go to get away to find themselves and then sex happen. It's it's not exactly the same, but it's the last recent one. And you can get a lot of you can get a lot of these kind of ideas. And again, Woody Allen, the head of the curve, doing this way before the nineties or two thousands. But um anyway, before it was cool. Before it was cool and before the, the British overused the trope, because I'm telling you, the Midsummer Night movie in the in Brit in Britain is an overused goddamn trope. <laughs> but it's a classic setting for plays, you know, back in the day. That if you if you wrote a comedic play, usually it involved a bunch of different characters coming together for a dinner or some occasion and they would play off each other because it would have to be on a stage where everybody sits at a table. So that was the familiar trapping. But with that said, it's interesting you mentioned the more dramatic elements and that it, it was intended to be a little bit more serious because to me that one of the best scenes in this movie is when uh maxwell arrives and uh woody Allen's character andrew pulls him to the side like hey can i talk to you for a second and maxwell's asking him so how are you how are things and woody allen just breaks down and i thought his acting was beautiful it reminded me of his best moments in the front where i'm like you should really give yourself a chance at being more dramatic because you're you're very good you're very good at these scenes because you you wrote the script you wrote the words you know where the character is coming from you know the emotions inside and out and you can relate to it on a personal level and he really nails the delivery yeah and what tony roberts was great for, great for the comedy Woody was great for the more deep emotional elements i'm like that really made the movie for me it made it a better film and i do have to emphasize I love the fact, and at the end, the end kind of surprised me, especially how things turn out between him, Mia Farrow, and his wife. I, the way the movie addressed the sex versus love, and I think even Mia Farrow actually says, I can't remember for babe, she actually says, ah, I can't remember, I'll probably put it on the screen or something, but they actually had that conversation. And a, a movie, movies don't actually handle that topic very well. They really don't. But I do think you can confuse sex with love or get driven up in romantic dreams of what the do you past. mean you, you just gotta love sex and then that's it <laughs> <laughs> oh simon it's good to be young isn't it simon <laughs> anyway we've rambled on long enough about this movie guys check out the woody allen the watcher's guide it goes into much more detail about the production of this movie again i find it very interesting that he shot this movie and the next movie which is a big woody allen movie like a return to form that we're going to get into zaylig but until then, guys, if you watch the movie, let us know in the comments down below. What do you think? Do you think this is just another one that... Why did you guys talk about this for 20 minutes? It wasn't that good. Or do you love the movie and you think it's an underrated classic? Let us know your thoughts in the comments down below. As always, I want to thank my partner in crime, Simon Red, for joining me on this one. You're welcome. And guys, until then, if you're on YouTube, hit the annotation on the screen. You can go back and check out our whole Woody Allen playlist, whether you're on YouTube, whether you're listening to it on the podcast, links will be in the description. Give us a like, subscribe to the channel. And we'll see you on the next recording.